Chick, was that really shooting you heard? It wasn't shooting. It's was a massacre. Let's pack this up and move. I am not going to be part of this. And the luckiest day of their lives <laughs> may become their last. Chick. Welcome to Cinema Geekly's From Parts Unknown podcast. Uh, it's a strange journey through the depths of Netflix that uh, myself and Glenn Beauvais are taking. Glenn, how are you doing this fine evening? I'm doing all right. I cannot wait to talk about this movie. Okay, so uh, for those of you who listened to episode 99 of the Cinema Geekly podcast, we have a new little segment on there where we uh, we go to allflix.net and we we hit their Netflix randomizer. And it uh, it is at random a movie for us to watch. This was suggested to us by uh, Cinema Geekly Premium user Tequila Monster. So uh, yeah, that that is and the first movie that was selected for us was the 2003 thriller, sir, called White Rush. That was uh, I've got some I've got some notes here before we get going. I was hoping that there would be some. Uh, like some did you knows on IMDb about this film, but there are none. There are no like fun facts or anything interesting like that. Uh, this movie was directed by Mark L. Lester. Do you know what he is most famous for, sir? No, I do not. He is the director of uh, Commando. Do you ever see Commando? Oh yeah, I've seen Commando. Yeah. That's written by Jeff Loeb, isn't it? Am I am I, am I thinking the same the right movie? Mm-hmm. And he directed uh, the Stephen King uh, adaptation Drew Barrymore film Firestarter as well. So he had a couple of real films back in the 80s. Mm. Um, what happened? Coke? Probably Coke. <laughs> perhaps. Uh, he, also did, uh, he also did Showdown in Little Tokyo, which I think people have heard of that film before. Uh, that's a Dolph Lundgren film, in case yeah, you're wondering. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no, no, I know you're talking about um since then his biggest uh since white rush he he's most of his work has been in the producerial uh area and uh, let's just let's just list off uh, see if you can guess where he's doing his producing work at sir i'm gonna say asylum because <laughs> after white rush he did pterodactyl which Gain... have you ever seen pterodactyl no, i, I, I want to get this out of the way now he also directed pterodactyl as well yeah have you seen it no i have not it is absolutely amazing. <laughs> okay, so he's also produced Game of <laughs> he's produced Game of Swords, 
Mm. Yeti, the Curse of the Snow Demon. Uh, He's done Jabberwock, Sand Sharks, Dragon Wasps, uh, Poseidon Rex, uh, and Dragons of Camelot Mm. are some of the movies that he has produced. He's Uh, in a couple of movies with Coolio, too. (laughs) Not just Pterodactyl, but I also... uh... I'm looking at Stealing Candy. It also has uh, Coolio in it. Um, and this was written by C. Courtney Joyner, who is well known for nothing. Uh, he had, well, he has he has written a lot of stuff, but he's written stuff like uh, Mega Scorpions and uh, 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 Distant Cousins, Class of '99. <laughs> I'm just looking at all. I'm just looking at all these movies. Doctor Morbid. Uh, he is basically well known for not much. Yeah, he is. He is a D-list writer that just wants to do stupid, fun movies. It looks like mm-hmm. the uh, the film, by the way, says that uh, the uh, the second, obviously, the top build is Judd Nelson, but the second build is Louis Mandalore. Uh, and after watching this movie, Trisha Helfer easily, just based off of talent alone, should have been the second build person in this film. Uh, with Louis Mandalore, distant third. Um, I don't. How do you want to? How do you want to hop into this, sir? Do you want to start talking? Oh, about don't forget the... about James Pickens Jr. Um, he is, or James Pickney. I, I, which one of those two? It's Pickens. Is, yeah, yeah. He has been on Grey's Anatomy for about a decade, so he has had a career since then. Was this during his run on Grey's? No, Anatomy? no. This this would be right before. Ain't Grey's Anatomy came out in like oh. Six maybe oh four I don't know I I don't know I got into it season two I was still in high school and then I quit watching it after season four. Okay, so um, here's a here is a game we are going to play with when it comes to bad movies. Uh, every once in a while, I'm sure we will get a randomized film that is actually good or great. Um, in which case, we're going to reverse it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, in this instance, it's a bad movie. So uh, at the end of the episode, I'm going to try to find in the IMDb listings a review that is over five stars for this one because they go out of ten. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to try to find. Oh, I've already I found the only one. There are only like five reviews, uh, and there is one that is six out of ten for this film. And uh, we'll go through this um, afterwards and see what this guy thought of the movie. Um, don't look at it, Glenn, if you can avoid it. We, it should be a surprise for later on. Uh, so this is. Um, Okay, so it's the the tagline, and I guess the, the brief synopsis for this is a group of young tourist couples come across a drug deal gone bad while on vacation. That's basically what happens. We've got, uh, we've got uh, Trisha Helfer, and we've got uh, uh, Louis Mandalore, who plays a character named Chick, which is incredible. I think, it's, I think it might be short for something. I don't I, know. They say it's like Clono or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's short for something. I don't remember. Um, there's, a uh, the character Arlene played by Deborah Zoe. And, um, then we've got, uh, Tug and Jay. Uh, Tug is played by Taylor Sheridan, Jay by Charlie Schlatter. So, uh, and, and this group, by the way, uh, <laughs> this is incredible. So they're, they're, they're camping out, you'd say Glenn, right? And they're drinking margaritas as people do at campsites. That's a total campsite thing to do, right? Margaritas. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah, sure. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, and they hear some some popping sounds off in the distance. You see, because there is a drug deal going down on on one of these side roads here by this camping uh, area. There is uh, looks like some sort of uh, Latino cartel type people, and uh, then another pack led by Judd Nelson, who plays uh, Brian Nathanson, who is the uh, I guess the hero of this film since the main character is the villain for some reason that's uh, i don't even know where to begin with that one sir but the yeah let's just get this out of the way uh lewis mandalore chick is the main villain of this film uh and he's also the main character yeah he so definitely has the most screen time as in yes he has the far more screen time than anybody else in this film uh to the detriment of this film as well i think um but yeah so this drug deal goes bad I immediately notice that Judd Nelson's character is the nicest drug dealer of all time. <laughs> what did I? What did I say? I said he's the he he's like the uh, the nicest, most down to earth drug dealer I've ever seen. Yes, yeah. He, like he makes James Franco in Pineapple Express look like an <laughs> asshole. Yeah, yeah. He's just ridiculously kind. Oh, don't uh, worry. They're cheating us, man. We don't. Don't worry about it. It's fine. How nobody saw through this incredibly thin facade is. I don't want to hurt him. No one's gonna get hurt. I won't kill him. I promise. Right. I just um, your friends are over their heads. Just so let me get the drugs and the money, and we'll be okay. So here's where things just go off the rails, right? Chick hears these sounds, and he's like, "That sounds like gunfire," and he goes to check it out. And he's a cop. Yeah, which we find out randomly. We find out he's a cop. And he pulls oh, up on this paranoia. He pulls up on this scene, and uh, he finds dead bodies and drugs and a suitcase full of money, and he takes all of them and heads back because not only is he a cop that we found out out of the blue, we also find out out of the blue that he is a crooked cop out of the blue. Like he just comes back and he's everyone's like, "What? What happened?" And he's like, "There's a lot of dead bodies, and here's a bunch of drugs." And here's a bunch of money. We, we're going to be stupid rich. And the only person with any sense is Eva, who's played by Trisha Helfer. Um, there was a really cringeworthy part where she had to talk about how I, I used to be on that stuff. That sort of thing. Like, it just so happened that... your brother back in jail. Oh, God, yes. that case. <laughs> but she's the only one... A word of this. She's the only one with sense. She's like, I don't want anything to do with this. This is stupid. This is going to end badly. And they're like, eh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, all of her friends, all of a sudden, just for no reason, just hop on board with this. We're going to take all these drugs and sell them for a lot of money. Like, all of, like are the, I, maybe we learned that all of her friends are assholes. They're all bad people, Glenn. Uh, well, I, we do learn that as the movie goes along. I mean, it's incredible. Uh, so she leaves. She runs away from this group. Smartest person in the movie so far. <laughs> she leaves. She's like, no way am I getting caught up in this. Um, and uh, and then from there, things go uh, things go wonky. The guy that the drugs were supposed to go to, he gets mad that the drugs are not going to him. Um he has one of the worst sound, you know, for a guy, I think he's played by Eddie Velez is the guy Santos, I think is the, the guy who the drugs are supposed to go to or no, is that the, uh, no, I think that might be the guy. No, Santos, I believe Santos is, is the, the guy, guy with the sunglasses. Yeah. That, that chick tries to, to sell. The buyer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it's another guy, Evo. Oh yeah. Lenant, 
Landando or something, I think is the guy. Something. As... He has a terrible, for a dude who is actually Latino, he had a terrible Latino accent in this movie. It did not sound legitimate to me. Like he sounded like he sounded like what you would sound like if you were trying to do like they're like, Glenn, we need you to do this Mexican character in this film and do it as over the top as possible. And that's what this guy sounded like to me. My burrito, we are going to find him. And we're going to kill him right now. <laughs> I'm going to have It to... was like that, but it was like really deep and snaky. It was weird. Yeah, yeah. He did him and then uh, what you're about to introduce, like the assassin he hires to yes. go kill them. Solange, uh, yeah. Beyonce's sister. Yes. Yeah. Uh, she also, I like, I understood her, but man, holy crap. That was a thick accent. It was indeed. And she, she was yeah. laying down. Um, and because it, she's a female assassin, she had to wear tight leather pants the whole time. Midriff and sometimes no clothes. Yes. Um, and I'm not kidding that her name is Solange. And yes, I'm kidding. It is not Beyonce's sister. Uh, she is played by Sandra Vidal in this film. Uh, but yeah, he sends this person, uh, Solange, he sends her to go kill some people and to get his drugs back and kill, uh, Judd Nelson and kill Judd Nelson, of course, um, who he blames for all of this. Um, so a lot of things happen. There's a lot of we'll talk about the scenes that we enjoyed and disliked and all that other stuff. Uh, suffice it to say, it went in the direction that you would presume a movie like this would go. Uh, she's hunting down people uh, one at a time, picking them off, trying to get to the people at the top of the pyramid. Um, at, and literally uh, in some sort of triangular meetup, we've got uh, we've got Chick meeting up with Santos, meeting up with Brian Nathanson, a.k.a. Judd Nelson. Um, and, uh, they all meet up together and everybody ends up dead with the exception of Judd Nelson, who it turns out, surprise, surprise, was an undercover DEA agent, which nobody would have guessed because of the, the fine undercover job he did of being the nicest drug dealer on the planet. But they, he didn't even know how long he was undercover. He forgot about the years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it was so great. Um, so Glenn, what uh, what what stood out to you performance wise? Who was the best performer in this film? <laughs> I, you know, yeah, it's probably Trisha Helfer was the best. But I, I again, I I don't want to say anybody's great in this movie because mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I, like I said with Judd, like I didn't think Judd Nelson was awful. It was just he had some of the worst lines. I feel and like his I feel character like, was just super lame. Like they like, made him vanilla. I mean, I feel like as an associate producer on this, like he had his hands in the creative a little yeah. bit. I think maybe he thought he had his hands on like some great character or something. Like he was kind of proud of this performance, and it just it did kind of feel really uneven for the most part. Yeah, I, I agree with you though. Trisha Helfer was the clear standout. And by the way, she did this before she did Battlestar Galactica, where she played. Uh, Caprica six on that show. And, uh, she was very, she's very good in that show. And, uh, this is, I think the one and only thing I think she did before Battlestar. And I, I could see it here. I mean, she was not tremendous or anything in this movie, but I could, I could see that she was like head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, she was a much better actress than, than everybody. Um, who who does your worst performance go to in this? Uh, 
there's a lot Lord. to pick from. Um, I mean, I per- like the cop guy was bad mainly because he was a New Yorker and like <laughs> they had been friends for years. So this guy who's like, you know, late twenties, I'm guessing. And he's been in L.A. for, you know, they've been, they talk about how they've been doing this camping trip for 10 years. Like, you would think some of it would dissipate after a while. <laughs> sure. I just um, think it's funny, the idea of this camping trip for 10 years. They've planned this camping trip. Like, when you plan, like, a decade for something, like, you do something a little bit better than a camping trip, don't you? No, well, no, I mean, they, they go camping every year for uh, 10 years. They uh, talk about that because... Tish Helfer's like, oh, uh, it looks like you had a lot of girls on these trips these past 10 years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And so she's not really in the group. She's not one of their friends. So it's okay for her to escape and run like a gazelle. Don't worry. A truck will find her. She'll be okay. Yes. <laughs> like a stray dog or something. That was that, that is actual dialogue. <laughs> that, yeah, Glenn's not, not making, making that, that up. up. <laughs> uh, and, but no, like the first 20, 21 minutes... Uh, is awful. I almost turned it off, but I'm glad I did it because it becomes enjoyably bad. Because basically, when the assassin comes into it and she hands Jimmy, James Pickens, G, oh, this is going to be completely spoiler, uh, hands him money and the the worst. Like I swear, they just printed off dollar bills from sheets of paper and then cut them. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, they, they look so bad. So bad. And just the, everything with this movie, like even though they had cell phones and cars, like I still couldn't believe it was made in two thousand and three. Oh, absolutely, the first it the looked first... like an early nineties film. It was yeah, yeah. so bad. The first the first shot, Jen was in the living room with me when I was starting this, and the the <laughs> the movie starts playing, and it says it's in high def. I think something along those yeah, I lines. Think so. And uh, I'm like, look, maybe this movie was released in 2003, but it was clearly made in 1993. Like, there's no way this movie was made after the year 2000. It it looked horrible. Absolutely horrible. I mean, they were using, I think they were probably using some stock footage at the beginning um, for, like, the establishing shots. Like, I think they showed some, like, vistas and some things like that which I think were clearly stock footage, but even the stuff that wasn't stock footage, like the actual movie stuff, all it all looked horrible. Uh, abs- By the way, my worst performance goes to Taylor Sheridan, who played Tug. Okay, yes, he was terrible. He might be the most annoying person I've ever seen in a movie. Maybe it's his voice. Like, he had this kind of like, come on, and he would drag out the last word of something he said for like 30 seconds. Oh, we're going to make so much money. Here, Chick said he's a cop. He's got the most to lose. <laughs> he's got the most to lose. Where's my money? Oh, my God. This guy drove me nuts. I'm like, somebody fucking kill this guy. And then Solange did. She slit his throat. And it was awesome. He got to have sex with her, though. That is true. That is uh, true. Well, can we talk about the sex scene that happened before this? That might the, be the uh, best thing I've ever witnessed in my life. The, the scene between uh, Arlene and Chick? Yes. Yes. Okay. So for the for the for the purposes of setting this up, Arlene, I think, is the girlfriend or the wife of Jay, who is played by wife Charlie of Schlatt. Jay. Yeah, yeah. And Jay is the of the group. He is the nerdy loser. Yeah. Kind of doesn't want to do it. He's afraid. He thinks he's going to go to jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas uh, Tug was the exact opposite. He, for some reason, thought this would go flawlessly and was greedy. 
Uh, okay, so that was the problem with greed. Tell us about this sex scene between uh, Deborah Zoe and Louis Mandalore. So. Uh, it was like the really bad porn version of Monsters Ball with <laughs> Halle Berry and Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, that's that's exactly what I was thinking. When like I there were that. similar shots. I mean, oh yes, I, yes. I have seen that movie, and I actually like that is a good movie. It's very interesting. Never oh, sure, seen sure. Peter Boyle be like completely evil. Um, but it that like. The same thing, like when he tears the pant the panties off, like that, like that was like straight out of Monsters Ball. Like the way they they shot some of this, I was like, this is so weird. Like, it wasn't it wasn't needed, and I I we may be jumping ahead on a couple of things where I, I generally don't think nudity is needed in movies. Sure, uh, but it was just it was the weirdest thing. And then the same thing with the hot tub. Like, how does that just they just oh let's go somewhere? Then they go to his place. And he has a hot tub. Like all these people are talking about how much money they're gonna make, and like everything I'm <laughs> seeing, these nice, guys yeah. are doing okay. Like they're talking about how she's a struggling artist, and she has one of the most badass lofts I've ever seen. Yeah, uh, that may have been repurposed in New Girl as the loft for them because it looked a little similar. Uh, also talking about old sets. Yeah. Uh, the scene where Tug is at the bar where he first meets the assassin girl who's, you know, baiting right, him. Right, right. That is a bar used in an episode of Angel. So I was wow. very, very giddy when that happened. It's uh, kind of the same thing. Uh, this guy, this girl goes in a bar, hooks up with a dude, and uh, kills him because there's a little monster, that li- a little demon that lives inside of him. And whenever they have sex, it transfers through the bodies. <laughs> Yeah, it needs a, a new shell every once in a while. Yeah, I'm convinced that this this film is at least one quarter softcore porn. Yeah, oh, uh, dude, totally, dude. It, it's like there's no way it's not. And like um, at best, this movie is the worst Robert Rodriguez movie ever. Made. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the best. Um, I'm trying to think of like the best way to describe the actual sex scene. I I think it's like if you. Every once in a while, you'll find uh, like a porn video where it's like it's about like a minute and thirty seconds, and it's literally. Uh, I, I mean, it's people having sex, but the the shots are so quick. Like one minute she's on top, one minute he's you know like the next cut he's behind her. Like there, there's no like continuity to the scene, and that's exactly what the sex scene was here. They were just it was a lot of quick cuts of them in various positions <laughs> and lots of thrusting, out, and then out. going back to the same ones before. Like yes, yes, they reuse. It's like, oh, well, I guess that wasn't working out, so we're going to go back to being behind. Uh, no, no, let's go back to her on top in the couch. And then, awesome. of course, you know, him being a douchebag, like, hey, he's you know he's a douchebag because he's sleeping with the wife of one of his good friends that we've known they've been friends for at least a decade. Yes. And apparently they've kind of had this chemistry between each other for a decade. <laughs> and then she gets mad when he's like, I got to go to work. What did she expect to happen? Like not, everything I've known in twenty minutes of this movie, or thirty-five minutes into this movie, uh, like I knew he was a piece of shit. And uh, like, literally, that sex scene comes out of nowhere. It comes oh. out of nowhere. Absolutely, everything just, comes like, out of nowhere. And I so mean, it's like she just cut. Like, why is she going to his house? And he's like, I'm trusting you with the six million dollars, and I will find you no matter what because I know you, even if it takes me to the end of my life and I die. Like. 
well, you just told me I got like 80 years to spend this cash. So, yeah, I guess I'd probably be doing okay. Well, I mean, the whole thing is so crazy because, like, the, the first thing we're given in this movie is, like, this group of friends. And it turns out, oh, like, 98% of them are all bad people. Like, you think this is about the friends? And it is. But usually when a movie is about a group of people, they're usually – at least there's one redeeming character – uh, I guess Trisha Helfer is a character, but she leaves the group. She yeah, she's not well, she's not in the group. Like the guy, yeah. one, the finance guy, Tug, you know, the, your favorite. Uh, then the, you know, Ugh. a dirty cop, but apparently wasn't dirty like before this. He's just like, I'm gonna get. He the just cash decided on a whim. Yes, fame. yeah. And then uh, then a struggling artist and a teacher. Like this, it's a really bad sitcom. Like it's it just. <laughs> If Robin Rodriguez made a sitcom, this is what would happen because that's exactly what this is. Because Robin Rodriguez is basically softcore porn, and that um, and they're kind of funny in a bad way. Oh, uh, we should ta- and we should talk about the thing, the impetus that led to the the uh, the the gang shooting, the like the drug deal shooting at the beginning, anyway, because that also came out of nowhere. So yeah. they get the drugs. And they Judd Nelson and some tweaky dude that who's who's with him, who is clearly on drugs or needs drugs, uh, is is following him, and he's they're they're checking it for purity or whatever they're doing, right? And he, I don't know, what's the tweaky guy's problem? Like, are they? Does he feel like they've been shorted? A yeah, like amount, the coke or? isn't as pure as they as he wants it. It's not hundred percent pure. It's right. ninety. And because Jed Nelson is a DEA agent, he's like, "Come on, man, this is no big deal. Let's just shake it off, and uh, it's totally fine, or whatever." Blah blah blah. Like, he, by the how Jed Nelson hasn't had a bullet put in his head because he's the worst undercover DEA agent in the history. Hey, of but everybody thing. likes him. Oh no, he's very likable. I just have no idea. No, how. no, I mean that's what all of the bad guys said. Oh, I like Brian. Yeah, yeah. Even the yeah. assassin. Oh, I like Brian. So he's he tells this guy it's totally fine. Just relax. I'm like he's the head of this deal, so he's like, just listen to me, follow my lead. We're good. Um, it's 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 fine. So let's go make the deal. So he goes out there to make the deal. And then everything seems fine. And then Tweak Guy just comes out and he's like, you're trying to fuck with us? And he just takes out a gun and shoots a guy. And then they all start blowing each other away like for no reason. Uh, it's, cop. <laughs> it's just so nuts. Um, do you have a particular favorite scene in this? Is there like a scene where you're just like, that That made the movie for me? Uh, um. Or like a line or, or anything that really just stuck out where you're just like, yeah, I, I can watch the rest of this film now or something. I forget what the turning point was. I mean, really, like when they all kind of split their ways, um, that, but I just, I would probably say when the assassin showed up, because that's when I was like, okay, I know exactly where this is going. Mm-hmm. This is going to be incredibly stupid. But like, it, the, there's no, it's the weirdest thing, like when she kills james pickens jr yeah you know like okay i understand why she did it uh and that stuff but there's just a lot of with with brian not wanting to do anything bad to anybody and then everybody wanting to shit all over each other yes uh, i don't know if that was you know what they were going for creatively uh to make him look like a good hero but that was just some of the weirdest things like if i was like if i was just a helper i wouldn't even like help him or feel threatened 
No. Uh, because he's like, oh, yeah, you need to stay here. But it's like, he can't do anything. He's bleeding out on the floor. Right. And then the, he uh... lets her go to work. Like, she she <laughs> is out of the picture, you know, except for when she gets choked in the car by Cheek. Um, but, yeah, I... it was just a, that was just a mess of a movie. How about how about the ending when he when Judd Nelson comes back to her at the end? Like what 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 was that even? Did they fall in love or something? Did, yeah, I never got that. I does anybody the... does anybody believe that Trisha Helfer would 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 date this schlubby Judd Nelson? Yeah, I mean, I I mean, I understand Stockholm syndrome, but I, I don't think that was in play at all during this. No. He didn't like, you know, cl- make her close her eyes and then open up a giant fucking library. Like he didn't really do anything, right? <laughs> um yeah I, I i don't know i mean it's a complete mess but it was <laughs> fun to watch um i i would if if the so here's the thing glenn uh if you could go back time would you watch this movie again um i don't now that you know what you know would you go back and watch it again I may, like, on my own try and find YouTube clips of it or just start it at a certain point. But that first 20 minutes is super rough to get through. Uh, like, I understand. Like, I, I almost turned it off. Like, I, I look, I understand. Like, I did not want to finish it because it is so bad at the beginning. But once once you hit Act 2 and yeah, stuff yeah. starts moving and we hit that falling action, like, it just becomes so stupid and so funny. Like, I, I was laughing so much while watching this movie because... The seriousness that they obviously took, you know, with the tone of this movie, and it was just dog shit. Uh, so the other well, what, what the, was yep. the scene for you that you really liked? Uh, like what was like oh, your Lord? There's so many scenes that like made me that made me chuckle. Um, I mean, honestly, if we're just going by like what was the scene that made me that I was like, yeah, like that scene, it was it was Solange killing Tug. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like this dude does not deserve to get laid by you. You're uh you're a gorgeous femme fatale. This is uh, tell me you're going to axe this guy, right? And he as soon as he becomes completely useless to her, she just slits his throat in the hot tub. Like what are you going to do with that drugs and money? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And that was that was easily the highlight for me. Um but there's like I I don't know why I enjoyed the scene where Solange kills Arlene too, where she's like, am, am I dying? And then she shoots her in the chest and she's like, now that's a kill shot. Something along those yeah. lines. Uh, I, have a, I, have a very, I have a very good trick that I can't, I can't, I can't do her voice. It was just yeah. so thick. Uh, but you know, dude, she's like talking about, uh, she, you know, she has this really good trick where, she, you know, she can shoot you where it isn't fatal. <laughs> Yes, yes. <laughs> because she shot her in the side, and she's you know that's what it is. She she runs into her art closet. She pulls out a revolver. It's like you know you're not saying anything. I'm going to assume you have a weapon, and I will shoot you, and you will be dead when I open this door. And <laughs> she shot her, did not kill her, and I started asking her stuff, and then she's like, "Am I dying?" It's, it's Am like I the dying? it's like the she five her right in the chest. It's like the five finger like thing from a uh, oh, Kill, Kill Bill. Bill. Yeah. It's like she can shoot you in a spot, and as long as you don't take five steps, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um. So okay. So the other question with this movie, sir, that we have to ask is: Do you do you wish you could unsee it? Do you regret watching this film? No, no, no. It wasn't. Uh, oh. It wasn't that bad. I mean, I it was it was it was bad in a fun way. It wasn't atrocious like in the name of a king a dungeon siege like that that movie 
is terrible. Now, according to IMDb, uh, it says 248 user reviews, and it's a 4.6 out of 10. So it's almost a 5 out of 10. So it's almost half, uh, which I think would be a what? A two, two and a half geeky glasses. What would you rate this movie? Uh, yeah, I'd probably like two, two, two and a half, two. Like it was, it was really bad. It was, it was really bad. I, uh, I really, it wasn't Sharknado too bad where it was just a complete sellout and I couldn't watch it. Like it was just bad. I'm going to give this movie a two, but a very weak two. Uh, it would have been 1.5 if it were not for Trisha Helfer trying her damnedest. And she's she dude she's she's just she's gorgeous and she's talented, and she was the only person who looked like she even knew what acting really was. Like Judd Nelson did come close a few times, but it was so <laughs> he came close a few times. he came close a few times to acting. Uh, she was the only person that came really. Everybody else was was god awful. It's it's amazing. I, I would like to know the story of how this ended up on Netflix. Like, I don't know how this ends up on Netflix, but apparently it's on Amazon Prime as well. So how this movie made it up there. I, oh, but I Ben know. couldn't watch it in the UK. Yeah, no, it's not in. The, it's not on the UK list at all. Um, okay, so before we leave off, uh, I found the highest rated review for this movie. It's from Movie Man underscore Kev. And uh, this is his review. I'll read it because I'll read the whole thing because it's not particularly long. Uh, when a group of friends who are camping in the wilderness stumble onto a drug deal gone foobar, uh, the crooked cop of the bunch decides to <laughs> like how he just goes the crooked cop of the bunch. Uh, this this guy like this is, was this written in the forties because that's what I'm getting. <laughs> the crooked cop of the bunch decided to take the stash of coke for himself. See, uh... all foobar. <laughs> Uh, this, of course, doesn't sit well with one of the remaining living criminals, Brian, played by Judd Nelson, who takes um, who takes one of their numbers, Eva, Trisha Helford, hostage, uh, as he needs the coke back before the beautiful hit woman for the drug cartel comes gunning for him. This movie was extremely cliche, but it was also more enjoyable than Mark Lester's previous film that I had just watched, Hitman's Run. Which means we need to watch that at some point if it was worse than this one. Yet still a far cry from his earlier movies that are classics, such as Commando and Class of 1984. Eye Candy, Deborah Zoe gets topless. Judd Nelson will return in my next review for Bad Kids Go to Hell. He gives it a 6 out of 10. Um, It's not a glowingly positive review, but the fact that he gave it better than 5... I, I guess we need to see Hitman's Run in order to really understand what Movie Man Kev is talking about here on IMDb. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's a wrap for this first experiment. And we dive into the rabbit hole of of, of Netflix to find out. Uh, well, I can't wait until I can't wait until next week, man. Uh, Glenn's going to be uh, Glenn's going to be uh, away from his microphone for a couple of days because he's going to be at the Dallas Comic Con. Right, sir? Yeah, Dallas Comic Con colon fan days. <laughs> fan days. Um, spelled with an A-Z-E, I'm sure. It was weird. It used to be like, fan days was the one in October, and then February was the Sci-Fi Expo, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, the one in May was just Dallas Comic Con. That was the, that's the granddaddy of them all down here. So it is, it's a little odd that now, now they're only doing two. They're not doing... Well, they they still have a third one, but it's like it's free, yeah. and there's like six people who are there, and none of them. I, I think one was kind of interesting. I think the biggest guy there was the screenwriter for Iron Giant. I think that was the like the ah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
So um, back, back to my original point. Glenn's not going to be around for... Uh, we were originally going to do the Cinema Geekly 100th episode this weekend, but everybody forgot that, including himself, that he was going to the Comic-Con thing. Um, so that's going to be pushed off for another week. And when we do that, though, we are going to draw yet another random movie. Uh, and it is at that time that Glenn Beauvais and myself will be back for another episode of From Parts Unknown. For more content like Who Made Who, Level Your Gear, the Gotham Podcast, Flashing Arrow Podcast, and the new Horribly Flawed and Incredibly Decisive Podcast, visit cinemageekly.com slash premium and part with just $12. That's 12 bucks for a year's worth of awesome content. What else could you buy for $12 that will last all year and give you hours of geeky entertainment? 